Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So today's episode, we're picking up where we left off last week. If you remember, we had 10 out of the 12 Israelite brothers all agreeing that their brother Joseph was kind of annoying and they wanted to kill him. <laughs> the oldest brother, Reuben, kind of talks him out of it in a, in a ploy to keep uh, his brother safe until they all cooled down. So he had him thrown into an empty well nearby. And while he was off at the movies or whatever, the, the other brothers got an even better idea to sell Joseph into slavery uh, into a, a caravan that was walking nearby. And then Reuben comes back and finds out that his brother's gone and uh, cries. And that's all this, this a very emotional meltdown between him and then his father later that when he finds out uh, understandably so and that's kind of where we where we left off last week so we're picking up and to to continue the story of Joseph and see what happens to him while he was after sold into slavery and uh, real quick as far as what I am drinking for tonight uh, well we'll keep it really simple this week I'm actually just kind of drinking Drinking uh, leftovers, booze leftovers, if you will. We had a, a little birthday party at the house last night, a little get-together, and so I'm just drinking some different hodgepodge things that were laying around. One, <laughs> what I'm having right this second is actually, so my sister, when she, when she came over, she brought in with her what she thought were, was a case of Coronas. Uh, and they were on sale and brings them over only to open them up and find out that they are the the coronitas the the small ones <laughs> i think they're called ponies uh, in some areas they're what are, i don't even know i guess i should have done the math uh, like like half or two-thirds the size of a regular beer and i don't understand necessarily what the purpose of them are uh, i guess maybe if you were like just wanted a little bit of a beer for like a chaser or something maybe that would come in handy but i've never only wanted two-thirds of a beer right I've, I've never like what's the uh, zoolander quote like is this a center for ants like that's what i feel like with this beer like is, is this a beer for ants it's so small it makes my hand look giant though i feel like like shrek or hulk or something while i'm drinking it which doesn't help me get buzzed as much as i should be but it makes me feel cool while i'm doing it so that's what we're drinking tonight just kind of all over the board no big story or anything there but let's go in and start doing Bible stuff. So Joseph uh, was taken by the Ishmaelites like we talked about all the way down to Egypt. And they flip the, their deal. They, they bought uh, Joseph for like 20 uh, shekels and then sold him for 30 to Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh's himself. And most English Bibles say he was the captain of the guard. But I looked it up, and in the original Hebrew, it actually indicates that he was the head executioner for Pharaoh. And if, if that's true, pretty, both pretty cool, right? That's a pretty fancy position. Also, if you're sold into slavery to the head executioner to Pharaoh, you kind of want to make sure that you... Uh, are on your best behavior, right? That you're doing, you're doing your job well. You don't want to slack off when that's that's your your own your boss's job or whatever. So that's that's who Potiphar was. And at this time, uh, God was still watching over Joseph and was still blessing him and and wanted him to to go on and had a kind of there was still a bit of a, a prophecy that needed to be fulfilled through Joseph. So so God was watching over him and and God kind of orchestrated it so that whatever 
Joseph touched, whatever Joseph put his hand to, he was good at it. He was very talented in everything he tried. Kind of like uh, Donald Glover, right? The uh, the actor, musician, everything. I mean, he's, he's blowing up right now. Both John, Donald Glover, the actor, Childish Gambino, the... The musician, um, everything he's doing now with the, the show Atlanta, uh, just an absolutely amazingly talented guy. Apparently can do no wrong. Uh, he's just good at whatever he puts his hands to, and that's kind of where Joseph's at right now. Whatever, whatever he's in charge of, he's doing it. He's doing it well, and to the point that Potiphar notices this and ends up putting him in charge of everything under Potiphar's house, like. It says that Potiphar only had to worry about what he wanted to eat every day. Like, like Joseph was doing everything. He was like Alfred to, to Potiphar's Batman. You know, he was dusting the antiques. He was paying the bills, uh, rebalancing Potiphar's 401k, just taking care of everything. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Right? Potiphar was living on Easy Street. Everything was going great. And uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe Joseph was doing okay. I mean, with that type of status and taking care of everything, he probably was doing all right himself. So things are going good. Potiphar's just kind of coasting and letting Joseph do all the heavy lifting around the house. So as you can imagine with all this, so Joseph is still young. He was 17 when the story started, when he got sold into slavery. So so at this time, he's probably only like early 20s or something. I don't even know. You know, I don't know how long it took him to become head of uh, Potiphar's house uh, to, get, to get that promotion. But, you know, if we assume that it's early 20s or so. And he's so imagine he's young and he's, he's he works hard and everything. He's handsome and doing all this stuff. And, you know, he's physically fit. So Potiphar's wife takes notice. And she, so she sees this stud working around the house, and, and she's liking what she's seeing, if you get my drift. And, and it's Egypt, right? It's hot outside. Joseph's a hard worker. So I'm sure like he's like shirtless half the time. And I imagine like one day he's out like cleaning the pool or something, and, and she just sees him, and she can't take it anymore. She's been fantasizing about him for months, and she just she, she gives in to her desires. And so she throws herself at Joseph. She goes out by the pool and she's like, take me, have me, you know, have your way with me. And Joseph's like, no, ma'am. Nope. Uh, I have a good thing going here. Mr. Potiphar put me in charge of everything in the house. Uh, everything except for you, ma'am. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to sleep with you. So she drops it. She drops it that day. But wherein she should have realized that no means no. She instead thought he was playing hard to get. And <laughs> so like, you know, I don't know. Real Housewives of Egypt uh, going on. I don't know. I, mean, I never even watched that show, but that was the only thing I could think of. Um, but, so Potiphar's wife can't stop thinking about Joseph. So every day she sexually harasses him. She keeps like, come on, come on, Joseph. Just like, you know, have your way with me, do everything. And he's like, nope, 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 every day. And he just keeps like dodging her sexual advances day in and day out. And <laughs> very stressful, I'm sure. And now sometimes I wonder if maybe she was just like, like ugly and that was like part of like why he was able to like have a hard stance on like nope i'm not banging you not happening but then i started thinking about it more and potiphar is actually like a powerful guy right i mean if he's the head executioner and all this right so he probably has a hot wife like he unless they were like you know high school sweethearts or something that you know she let herself go hard i don't know who knows rude things to say but all, I, I think joseph was actually really trying to be good and that she was smoking hot and he was he was on his best behavior but 
Anyway, so one day, as they keep, you know, day in, day out, she keeps sexually harassing him. One day, she finds him all alone in the house. Like, he's down in the basement doing the laundry or something, and nobody else is around. And so she, she realizes that he's alone, and now she's going to put more effort into her sexual advances. So she comes down, and she grabs his, his robe or his toga or, or whatever it is. I don't know. And she's like, you know, bang me, Joseph. You Bang me like one of your French girls right now. And, and Joseph's like, uh, no, ho. Like, no, <laughs> get out of here. And he runs away. And but she's still grabbing onto his his robe or his toga or whatever, and it and it flies off like it, like, like like she's holding so tight while he's running, it just rips off of him. And I guess he's got boxer shorts on or something. I don't know. No one sees him run around naked, but he dips, and she's there holding his robe, holding his clothes, and she instinctively at that moment she's mad one that he just still you know <laughs> wouldn't give in to her desires and now so she's mad and then so she screams she screams at the top of her lungs and all the other like workers in the house and everything they come down and you know like what happened what happened what happened you know when they hear her scream and she goes oh joseph this this hebrew that they brought into the house he tried to rape me and he was taking off his clothes so he could have his way with me and i yelled and he got scared and he ran away and here's the proof here's the evidence that he tried to rape me and she held held up held up the robe that he had had that she had had in there in her hands and uh everyone believed her and then potiphar got home from work that night and she retold him the same story she's like this guy he, he tried to rape me and here's the robe and everything i don't know where i don't know where he was hiding at this point but so potiphar he hears the story and i i kind of think that potiphar knew his wife was being a thought like right like he was he knew that she was she was doing something wrong but he can't like call her out because of the soul story so he has to do something even if he doesn't really believe it but so he puts uh joseph in prison he has to he has to lock him away because of the allegation so our boy joseph finds himself in prison he's innocent but you know what can you do and he but he's still got like the that blessing from god uh, he's still like donald glovering it up and he's just being awesome at everything that he does He's trying to take shitty circumstances and make the best of it. So while he's in prison, he somehow proves his worth enough that the warden of the prison thinks he's a pretty cool guy. And even though Joseph is a prisoner, the warden puts Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. Like he puts him in charge of the jail, like like assistant warden or something. And like even though Joseph is a prisoner himself, I don't know if he had like an extra like a special outfit or something or how it identified or whatever but he was joseph was now in charge and the warden got to live on easy street himself like ah, joseph takes care of you know ordering the food and doing this and whatever and scheduling the executions or something i don't know i don't know what all his duties were but it says that that he was put in charge and after so that's how that and i, I kind of think so if here's how i see it it's why I also think that, that Potiphar knew that something was up and that Joseph was kind of innocent because being the head executioner, if he really did think that Joseph tried to rape his wife, I think it would have been pretty easy for him to just like schedule him in for the next day's executions or whatever and just like kill him himself. Like he would have been totally justified just to be done with him. But the fact that he put him into prison, I think indicates that he he knew he was kind of innocent. And two, being that if Potiphar was the head executioner, he probably knew the warden of the prison and probably was like, hey, by the way, I'm putting this guy in, in jail under your watch, but keep an eye on him. He's actually pretty cool. 
just you know letting you know and so I, I wonder if there might have been like some little little bit of, of communication there to help get joseph promoted but that's just my theory just you know that's not actually technically in there but just you know a bible theory so he's there for a little while and after some time one day pharaoh's head baker and pharaoh's cupbearer so everyone knows what a what a baker is right i mean we've all seen cupcake wars and everything but a cupbearer that's something that's kind of gone out of style in, in modern society see a cupbearer was this dude a very important dude who was pretty much the number one line of defense to make sure the king doesn't get poisoned like he probably had other job duties as well like he like kind of like also like the butler kind of but 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 you know like alfred to the king or the pharaoh or whatever but his one main thing the title of his job was cupbearer but his like one main thing was that he had to be on standby whenever the king was drinking to drink himself the cupbearer out of the king's or, or the pharaoh's uh, in this case uh, to drink out of the pharaoh's own cup to make sure that it wasn't poisoned which if you think about it is a really difficult job like if the kings and pharaohs are getting poisoned if their wine is getting poisoned so frequently that they have to create a whole hr job description to cover this task like we need someone to taste his wine before he drinks it so that he doesn't get po so that you get poisoned instead of him like like how how many people are dying this way like how like where's is there no quality control on the wine like what's happening here but anyway, so that's his. It's a, I can just imagine this very dramatic scene where, like, every single day, the king like has a glass of wine with dinner or whatever, and the wine gets poured into the goblet. And I'm sure it's other things other than wine. You know, it's water or whatever, Sprite, whatever he's drinking. But wine is just what I like to think about often. I mean, clearly, this is welcome to the show where I drink too much and talk about Bible stories. So I'm always gonna have that that lens of drinking involved. But anyway. So I just imagine like the you know servant brings it up to the king the cup and the cupbearer steps in and is like you know like whoa 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 like excuse me and takes the goblet and drinks it for himself and like as he's like swallowing the wine like every every set of eyes in the room are on the cupbearer and dramatic music starts playing and they're they're all they're all watching and like one second goes by two seconds go by three seconds go by five seconds. And like a kind of a a, a room wide like sigh or, of relief like goes out and like he didn't die the wine's fine and then he hands the cup back to the pharaoh and and they could go about their business but very stressful for that that moment but once once it once the job is done and you don't die from poison then <laughs> you can just go back to playing clash of clans or whatever on your phone and i guess just wait for the next cup of wine to be brought out or something i don't know but it's very very interesting job that that doesn't exist too much nowadays uh, at least in here in america anyway so that so the the pharaoh's master baker and the pharaoh's cupbearer are both in the same window of time they for some reason royally piss off pharaoh and they get put into prison into the prison here with joseph and you know joseph was in charge so he sees him in there and he gets to know him i guess and one night both the baker and the cupbearer have bad dreams and the next morning joseph sees uh, that they are they're a little bit sad they're a little not quite their usual selves which they must have been super they must have been super sad in this case because they're in prison right like they're the pharaoh himself put them into prison which should mean that you were kind of in a depressed state period i would think like that's not a cheery trip to disney world or anything so they were like super extra sad on top of their regular sad for being in prison 
to the point that Joseph noticed something was different. So, so Joseph's like, you know, like, what's what's wrong with you guys today? Like, what's happened? And they, anyways, they both uh, they both tell him that they had weird dreams the night before, and they're kind of freaking out about it, and they don't know what they mean. And Joseph's like, oh, well, I'm something of a dreamer myself, right? Like, let me tell you this story about the sun and moon and 11 stars one day. But he's like, tell me your dreams, and I'll interpret them. And so the cupbearer goes first, and he says, in his dream, he sees a vine, right? And on that vine, there are three branches, and the branches all blossomed and produced amazing grapes. And the cupbearer took those grapes and squeezed them into wine and put it in the Pharaoh's cup, and he gave the cup to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh drank it and everything, and, and he's like, that was, that was my dream. Which I don't understand, like, that doesn't even sound like a bad dream. Like, I don't understand why the cupbearer was so, like, distraught over it. Like, that seems like a fun, like, it's like, you ever have a dream, like, like you wake up or whatever, or, or in the dream, like, you kind of go about your normal day, like, you go to the office, you start writing up emails, and you do stuff or whatever, and then you wake up from the dream, and, and then you get mad because you just, like, worked your whole day at work in your dream then you wake up with the alarm going off you have to do it all over again that sucks i don't know if that ever happens to you but um <laughs> that's what that's what this dream essentially was like in his dream he was just doing his job nothing bad even happened but so i don't know why he was all like been out of shape over like oh my god this dream anyway but joseph hears the dream he's like like oh good news this is that's a great dream good dream the th the three branches on the vine represent three days so in three days, Pharaoh will bring you out of prison, and he's going to give you your old job back. And things are going to go right back to the way they were. Congratulations. Good dream. Good outcome. Just hang tight for the next three days. You'll be fine. And he's like, the one thing I ask, Mr. Cupbearer, if you'll please remember me when you get back in your old job, because I am in jail here. I'm in prison, and I'm innocent. And I, uh, I'm innocent, I tell you. And I would very much like to get out of prison, so if you might could just put in a good word to the Pharaoh for me, I'd really appreciate it when you get your old job back. And the cupbearer's like, yeah, for sure, dog, I got you. I'll put in a good word. Thanks. I can't, can't wait to get out of jail in three days. And then the baker, the baker hears the good news that the cupbearer got, and so he starts getting excited. And he's like, now, now do me, Joseph, do me. Tell me my dream. He's like, and here's the dream. So he had three baskets of bread on his head I guess piled up like I don't know if that was the traditional way of, of carrying bread I don't know but he had three baskets of bread on his head in the top basket and the, the highest one up there was uh, extra like extra special goodies in there there was like I guess some like muffins and some cupcakes and red lobster uh, cheddar bay biscuits like all up in the top right like the like the primo the, the really good stuff some red velvet uh, things in there you know uh, cake or whatever good stuff up in the top in the top basket and then uh, some damn birds came and ate all the bread out of that top basket. They read, they ate all the red lobster cheddar bay biscuits out of the top of the basket, and the the baker couldn't do anything to stop him or anything. And uh, so they eat it all, and now he has no bread. And he goes like, "Okay, Joseph, that was my dream, right? So same same deal as the other guy, right? It's a good it's a good story. The three days, you know, I'm gonna get my job back, right, Joseph? Right, right? <laughs> and Joseph's like." Well, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, yeah, so you are correct. Um, the three baskets do represent three days, and in three days you are going to get out of prison. So so congratulations on that. And the baker's like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I'm getting out of here. He's like, but in three days you're not getting your job back. 
and cupbearers or the the baker's like oh like that sucks or whatever but he's like and and then joseph's like i don't know how to tell you this um in fact you're not not only not getting your job back but in three days the reason you're getting pulled out of prison is because um pharaoh's gonna uh behead you and then hang your dead body from a tree and then birds are gonna eat your flesh uh, <laughs> pretty dark <laughs> pretty pretty con a big contrast from what the cupbearer had you know cupbearers or the the bakers clearly like didn't like the, the sound of that but that was that was what he was told and true enough three days later it's the pharaoh's birthday no less and for his birthday i guess he really needed his cupbearer back because he was about to get trashed on his birthday and needed someone tasting his wine for poison so he brings the cupbearer back out and gets him his position everything's good for him but also for his birthday, I guess, they needed some action. They needed something to watch, and there were no good movies out or anything. So they they pulled the baker out, and, and as the, the birthday celebration event, they behead <laughs> the baker and uh, hang up his dead body in a nearby tree. And, and sure enough, the birds came in and started eating at it and pecking at it. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's why he put the baker in prison to begin with. Maybe... Maybe he asked the baker to plan like a like a banging like birthday cake because he knew that he knew his birthday was coming up and he's like like this gotta be the best cake ever. I'm putting you in charge. You gotta do it. Like I want I want it to really wow everyone. And maybe the baker was like an idiot and made like a carrot cake or some bullshit. Like, like and the pharaoh was like, what? Nope. To wait to prison with you. I don't know. I don't know what he did, but it didn't it did not end well for him. <laughs> so that all happened. And the cupbearer, of course, got his job back, like I said. And Joseph starts getting excited. Joseph's like, yeah, boy, now I just got to sit back and wait for him to tell the pharaoh about me, and I am out of here. <laughs> Unfortunately, the cupbearer forgot all about Joseph as soon as he got his job back. Like, he just totally, like, well, that was the thing I did going to prison. Glad I'm back to my old job. And he just went right back to playing Clash of Clans. Like, he forgot about Joseph entirely. Uh, fast forward two years two years later after all this happens cupbearer forgot about joseph joseph's still in prison i mean he's still doing like okay as far as prison goes he's still in charge of everything but anyway so at this two years later pharaoh himself now has a dream and in the dream there was this river like the nile i guess whatever and and from that river walks out seven cows and they were healthy, like fat, like whatever, like strong cows. You know, not not fat in a bad way, but, you know, like cows are supposed to be, right? They're just healthy. Uh, and, and they start eating the grass nearby. Okay, whatever. And then as the fat cows are eating the grass, seven more cows walk out of the river. But these were like nasty, ugly, skinny, like crack whore cows, right? They're just, they're just like all bony and ugly and like, like nasty ass cows. And so the seven crack whore cows walk out of the river and they see the healthy cows that are eating the grass and the crack whore cows eat the the nice healthy fat cows like they just they just I don't know if they swallowed them whole they they ripped them apart or whatever but they end up eating the heavy the fat cows the healthy cows but even when they're done the crack whore cows are still just as skinny and ugly as they were before like makes no sense but it's a dream so it's fine so that's that and the pharaoh wakes up in like a cold sweat he's like what the fuck and he's like but he goes back to sleep and and he has another dream after this so in the second dream there was like a stalk of grain and on the grain were seven healthy heads of of grain 
uh, whatever, I don't know, whatever. And um, then next to the seven healthy clusters, heads of grain, there were seven like shitty thin heads of grain that popped out as well on the same stalk. And this, and I don't, they don't have mouse or whatever, but it says the seven like thin ones ate the seven healthy ones. They just, they swallowed them up or whatever. And like, like if you had a pot plant, I guess, and had like seven like thick, dank like cush buds that sprouted right some like primo primo stuff and then on also on the same plant grew like seven shitty like reg like buds like like just like bottom tier like i don't know like like high school like like oregano basically just oregano yeah like 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 the seven really good like dank things and then like seven bundles of oregano on the same on the same tree and and the oregano buds eat up the seven nice ones, the seven dank ones, and and that's when <laughs> that's when the pharaoh woke up again in a in a cold sweat, like what are these dreams, and and he can't sleep anymore or whatever. And the next morning he calls up all of his magicians and the wizards and everybody to come tell him what these two dreams mean, with the seven cows and the seven uh, weed stuff, whatever the seven the seven seven grains, and that no one can figure it out none of his magicians none of all the the wizards and everything of egypt they couldn't figure it out they don't know they didn't know what it meant and then the cupbearer's eyes get all wide and he's like oh man oh shit i messed up so he goes to pharaoh he's like yo uh, actually i have a dream guy <laughs> like i know a guy and he tells pharaoh about how joseph got it right all those you know those two years ago with the two different dreams and you know vouches for him and so so pharaoh's sold on it and fell on on joseph's ability to tell dreams so he summons joseph in and he'd been living in the prison for the past two plus years so when he comes in they dress him up nice they give him a shave and like a, a sick fade or whatever they cut his hair and everything and they bring him into pharaoh looking nice and pharaoh's like you know okay so interpret my dream and joseph is like sure that's cool but real quick, it's important for me to tell you that it's God that's doing it, not me, just so we're clear. And Pharaoh's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, just just tell me what it is. So Pharaoh tells him the dream, and you know, I, won't, I won't reiterate it, we just told it, but he tells him the dream, and Joseph's like, okay, so here's the deal. Here's what the dream means. Both the dreams actually are talking about the same thing. It's a two-for-one dream or whatever, and is God, God is telling you the future. The seven cows and the seven dank buds mean that the next seven years will be very prosperous, good years. There will be an abundance of food in the land and everything's going to be awesome, right? Like next seven years, awesome. Then after that, there will be seven years of famine. Famine will be The famine will be so bad, it will erase even the memory of the seven good years. That's how bad it's going to be. And also, you won't have any weed. Like, you're not, you won't have any cows. You won't have any weed. Like, it's going to be a bad seven years. And Pharaoh's like, oh, shit. Shit. What, what does God want me to do about it? What, what can I do to, to, to stop this from happening or whatever? And Joseph says, this is what you got to do. This is my advice. You should find someone, find the smartest guy you know, and put him in charge of Egypt and the food supplies and all that. And for the next seven years, take a fifth of all the produce that we get and uh, store it up during the good years so that we have enough for when things get bad. And if we do this, then we'll survive the famine and everything will be fine. 
That's what you should do. And Pharaoh's like, that's a brilliant plan. That's amazing. Uh, also, how about you? I'm promoting you effective immediately. You're now in charge of everything that you just said. Go do go do it. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the club. And Pharaoh, the Pharaoh took off his, what they call a signet ring, which is like this custom ring with your initials on it or whatever. That's, you know, custom made and it's used to like to like mark documents or like do like wax seals and stuff like that. So that like, you know, it's for real, for real. And he basically gives this ring with the Pharaoh's initials on it to Joseph as a sign that like, you now have the power to make decisions and, and, and do things in my name or whatever. Pretty, pretty huge, right? To go from working in the prison like a, a work study program in the prison um to to here now you have the pharaoh's own ring to make decisions huge deal it's awesome <laughs> so he gives them the ring and then he also puts on like some sick ass robes on him and like pimps him out with some gold chains and all this stuff and, and then pharaoh sets up a big parade through the streets of egypt and the pharaoh's there and joseph is like riding next to him in the parade and they're they're in like matching like chariots like going down the street and pharaoh makes everyone in egypt bow down to joseph right like that he wants everyone everywhere to know that joseph is the main man and do what he says and help store up food for the famine and all that kind of stuff and then he, he is like giving him like a wife um asenath asenath a-S-E-N-A-T-H Ozanath I don't know whatever so he gives a, but he gives him a wife yeah so like literally in one day he go, Joseph goes from working in the prison to being the second most powerful man in Egypt wearing jewelry and being married and it says Joseph was 30 years old when it happened so I don't know what the timeline was how long he worked for Potiphar uh, when when that all went down and then how long he was in prison exactly but more than two years but 30 at 30 years old he's now second in command of Egypt has a new wife and everything and it says over the next seven years he did what he had planned to do and he stored up the food so much food and it says that that the warehouses uh, full of grain the grain looked like the sands of the beach and he got his new wife pregnant a couple times they had two sons uh, Ephraim and Manasseh and everything's going good and then the seven years of famine start to hit and that's where some stuff starts going going sideways a little bit and we will talk about that next week <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna stop it right here because the next one's pretty in-depth too to talk about uh, what happens next so that's about it for for this one uh thank you for joining us a little bit shorter of an episode probably because i didn't talk about booze too much i kind of fast forwarded through that one so uh yeah so thank you again for listening hope that you enjoyed it and check us back next week where i might do a filler episode next week i don't eh, i don't know if i want to talk about that but whatever Join us next week for some other episode where I talk about something who knows what it is. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. As always, thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow, like, share, all that fun stuff if you would. And hope you have a fantastic day. Cheers. <laughs>